I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to the Unashamed podcast. We got uh, I'm in the Southern Lair. Zach's out of North Carolina. We got Jason Dad in studio this morning. Jace, was it a crisp Louisiana morning when you got up today? Uh, no, it was actually get the suntan lotion out. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's warmed back up. So, but you know, I've been on the road for weeks, and I felt like yesterday when I went to uh, to church. I, when I walked in, it was pretty funny. Uh, there was a stir going on. Because we were there like 15 minutes early. And I was like, what? what people were bustling, and there, there was some energy and kind of excitement. There was a lot of people there for 15 minutes early. And so I opened the main door there to the auditorium because they have two services. One is kind of for the old people, no offense, Phil. The other is uh, <laughs> the younger, fresher. And we were talking about we, we like the younger, fresher worship service but my mom goes to the older one so you know and she gets her feelings hurt if, if i don't sit beside her so uh but i walked in and phil was down there just baptizing people one after <laughs> that was the buzz you know man that was, was the stir yeah i was like good <laughs> great this party started and i didn't even know it had, i thought i was early i, I missed the party <laughs> but what was shocking is uh i've been just so removed from the normal world filming this show and being on the road uh, people kept coming up to me and talking about the podcast that we did about the kingdom in a, in a positive very profound way i mean from tears in the eyes to excitement to you know i i, I didn't i'd never realized this because you know with us we do so many podcasts yeah, you you move you just on, kind of move on you to move the next on thing, and you yeah. think, well, you know, there may have been fourteen people that got something out of that, but the train moves on. But that seemed to be a little more moving the needle than than other yeah. things that we've talked about. And I mean, a couple of my good buddies, it it created some debates, which I'm like, well, look, we did three or four podcasts on it there's they've only released one so let's <laughs> there's let's time more to out. Come. yeah time <laughs> out i'll say, let me save you some time and he's like well look at my church i requested this is a good buddy of mine that we have a speaker come in and let, let's let's talk about this more so i thought good grief you know we, he listened to a podcast next thing you know they got some they're doing a three-part series on it on let's let's yeah. figure that we might have missed something here man that's encouraging i got yeah, yeah i got i i had a lot of of uh, uh people have contacted me as well and what's weird is they were like uh, hey episode seven whatever number and i'm like 782 yeah yeah i'm like i don't, know, I was num- thinking, uh, I don't know numbers <laughs> but if it was about the kingdom i know those, i know those four that we did um and they were excellent i got i had a lot of great feedback as well so I called Jace. I said, Jace, we need to we need to put this in a book format was what we need to do. Write a book on this topic. And then we because we typically do like a actual like just going through the scriptures. But I think every now and then it's good to do like a topical systematic theology kind of this. What does the Bible say about? I think we need to do a book about the kingdom 
I think we need to, and then I think we need to do basically we can have it as a study guide that goes along with it that way. Cause I think what we're saying here is it's, it was so much scripture and that I felt like it needed to be digested a little bit. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, it was good, but it was a lot. Well, maybe we should write a book, you know? I mean, the, the problem. I think we put it to Unashamed Nation. We got to let them weigh in. Wait till you hear all the episodes, but then, I mean, they've guided us on everything else we've done, well, so maybe the, they can talk. The, the problem with it is the book's already written on it. Do not <laughs> be yoked. It's called the Bible. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Start that with your book. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? I mean, this is serious stuff. This it's, is worthy of a book, which they've already had for a while. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them. And that should separate. go in the book. That should go yeah. in the book. There's your opening paragraph. <laughs> there you go, Zach. No, but it's an interesting point because when I'm on page one of you. Well, book. the argument I had with now this guy, you know, I love this brother, and uh, we we study together all the time, and. I like it because he's not a yes man. And so a lot of these crazy ideas that I come up with, I like having a friend who'll say, Jay, sure crazy. But anyway, part of the, uh, in this case, I didn't agree with him, but he was saying, but you said Jesus is the temple. That doesn't make any sense. And I was like, well, technically, just to clear this up, we're the temple, what you just read. We're, we're Hebrews 3, 6. I thought when I made that reference, people would go read Hebrews 3, 6. I read from 2 and, Corinthians 6. Yeah, that was 2 Corinthians 6, which I referenced in the kingdom study that when it says, do you not know that your body is the temple of God? So, but, you know, Hebrews 3, 6, which I, you know, I guess I should have read, but I want to read it now. It's, it's two verses removed from one of my favorite verses in the Bible, which says every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. And then he says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, because we point to Christ being better than Moses. But verse six says, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And so the reason I said Jesus is the temple, because he is, because he's the cornerstone. You know, you read the what Peter said about it. We, we rise up. You read what Paul said about 2 Corinthians 5. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So when you go back to Luke 17, 20 and 21, where this all started, when they were asking when the kingdom would come, he said, it won't come with your careful observation. You're not going to point and say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom is within you. That That's the point. By Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the unleashing of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 
people would be able to surrender to God through Jesus and his salvation and house the Holy Spirit of God, which is what we're saying is when the kingdom arrived. Now, it will be completely fulfilled at the resurrection where we get our new bodies, but I think it's very inspiring. And and that was the well, point we were making, which is when they're talking about debating on whether to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem for the third time, Jesus is the temple. That is the fulfillment. You can house the Holy Spirit. That was the point we were making. To Zach's point about potentially maybe a, a book and a study guide, just to let you guys know without getting too much into how the sausage are made, I mean, we all knew we were going to hit this place in Luke 17 about the kingdom and the questions were being asked then is, is now the time later is asked by the apostles. So we were just asking the same questions that were asked then. But the beauty of the podcast format is the four of us have studied the Bible for our entire lives. And so we all kind of had our take, but what you heard on those four podcasts was a compilation of all of our thoughts and it was interesting because like everybody out there, I learned a lot too, taking everybody's thoughts and putting them together. That's why it seems so, the word I used was withering. It was a withering defense of the kingdom being established uh, in the first century by Jesus' coming uh, and leaving. So I, I think it I think it was strong, but there were things that came out in the results of it, all of us together having a discussion that probably none of us would have had just on our own trying yeah. to write down some thoughts about it. So there was a lot of uh, symmetry, I guess, and synergy that was at work for those podcasts that, that well, none of us really planned them. Well, the bigger issue, though, is is if Zach and I decided to write a book, can you imagine the combustion between the simple-minded... I don't want to be a part of any of that. ...and the scholarly? <laughs> That's what we need to really address. I mean, this is, this is going back to when I married my wife. I was looking at all the cons because we're just so different about everything. And you got to understand that when he speaks of the kingdom, when people get all stirred up about it, the kingdom is the is the church. I mean, some somebody says what? Well, it's definitely a part of the kingdom. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, so the kingdom's bigger than it, just. It the is church, bigger, right. but it's definitely a yeah. part. Paul's in jail. He said, uh, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, uh, Ariscarus, whatever, sends Where you, you at, his... Phil? I'm in uh, Colossians, the last few verses in Colossians at the end. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who also called justice, also greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they approved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who was one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for, for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God because these people are having a tough time now. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and that those in Laodicea and Hierapolis, our dear Demas, uh, sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea, to Nympha, and the church in her house. So if you're, not, if you're talking about the kingdom of God and you remind people, 
It's the church. It's the called out. It's, it's there for a purpose. These people were having a very difficult time. He said, my fellow workers for the kingdom, they have proved a comfort to me. You know, he, so send greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer. And it was on a very small level, but they were doing the work of the kingdom. Yeah, well, earlier what it says earlier in that in his letter, you know, in in chapter one, he actually said in verse eleven, you know, he was praying, speaking of this wrestling in prayer with all power that they might have great endurance and patience and mm-hmm. give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of That's light. Right. That's right. You know, and then it says, for he has rescued us. How in the world could you be a member of it and say, I'm not, I, what? Well, it's a strange thing to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. how this. I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't know how it caught on, but, but I, you know, it's almost like you're invited to a party. And you're, you go to the party, and then everybody's talking about what we're going to do at the party. You're like, but we're at the party. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. This, this is a party. Yeah. And uh, so I get it. There's another party coming when we're resurrected, and that's never been in question. I think we all agree with that. But the party got started, and and Jesus cranked it off. No doubt. And, and by giving the Holy Spirit of God, I mean, we're, we're acting like the Holy Spirit is just, just like something that, that is, oh, yeah, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's a big the, the thing. The Holy Spirit of God. We're talking about the deity of thing. God living inside you. Once that enters your body, you are part of the kingdom of God. And the king is Jesus. I mean. I mean. I actually think, too, like when you get it, it there's so much, so many implications to this that I think it honestly streamlines the entirety of Scripture. So when you get to, like, um, well, you get to like Paul, for example, when he gets into his uh, letter to the Roman church, you know, you, if I actually read the book of Romans in this same vein that, that he's talking about that, what is the kingdom? What does it look like? It's Jew and Gentile, one body, no distinction uh, being grafted in. There's all this, this language of being grafted into olive tree and, and, and all, all that, all that that is. But you, you listen to what Paul says at the beginning of Romans. For example, and when he's laying out the case for what he's about to make in the book of Romans, he says that um, he says um, that he is going to Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scripture. So, I mean, I, I've read that verse my whole entire Christian life. And I typically just skip through that as just an introductory verse, not really thinking that it has a lot of weight to it, but, but listen to what Paul's saying here. He is stating that he's going to interpret, think about the power of this. He's saying, I'm going to interpret the prophets in the Holy scriptures, Isaiah, Hosea, Malachi. I'm going to interpret those prophets in the new revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse uh, three concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul, Paul's whole point that he's bringing forth in the book of Romans is he's explaining how 
the Gentiles are going to be grafted into the kingdom with the Jews by the power of the blood of Jesus. Yep. So there, there's so much linked to this idea of the temple, us being the temple. It's, it's even beyond. I mean, it's, it's, it's how we get in as Gentiles. I mean, how we, we can possess the, the spirit it. of God. Isaiah 44 is this is prophesied about in Isaiah 44 that people who are not from the house of Jacob are going to be called Israel. We're going to be called Israel, you know. Uh, it's it, it's we're going to be called God's people, even though we're not. And it makes sense of the whole book of Acts: the sheep coming down with the unclean animals, and God says, "Don't call anything that I've called clean unclean." And you start to see this redemptive flow throughout history that God is bringing all the nations to Himself to worship Him and to be and and to be part of of His kingdom. I, I think it's absolutely beautiful and powerful and extremely encouraging for people like us. So, Dad has a sort of I would call it now a unique approach to cell phone uh, issues. If you have cell phone problems, your your solution is just don't ever get one, right? That's right. <laughs> so for, for all the rest of us uh, that have to function with a cell phone, uh, we love Patriot Mobile uh, because it's, it's America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They've been doing this for 10 years, uh, and they're the only ones. They offer dependable nationwide coverage giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you're accustomed to without funding the left. So that's one of the bad things about cell phones. And only, you know, as Dad has described, are they difficult to deal with, but also the folks who have uh, provided that for you are all left-wingers until now. So when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message you support free speech, religious freedom, sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and of course they support our military veterans and first responders. Uh, They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, which makes switching easy. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or you can upgrade. Uh, They'll help you find the best plan for your needs. So check them out, patriotmobile.com slash phil. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You're going to get free activation when you use the offer code Phil. So make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash Phil. That's patriotmobile.com slash Phil. Or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Well, even even Zach mentioning um, David in Romans 1, is that has implications about kingdom because David was a part of the physical kingdom of Israel, which is obviously God's way of building his nation of people. But he made a covenant with David he called the everlasting covenant that part of his seed would be an eternal kingdom. So once again, he was even pointing to Jesus in that moment as being the established kingdom of, of God and, and the, the king gospels alone, going forward. In the gospels alone, to verify what you just said, the word kingdom is mentioned 133 times in the gospels because i looked through it and counted them and i wrote it down for someone who said 133 times in the gospels and someone says no not you know we're not the kingdom i'm like not the kingdom i said 133 times it's mentioned in in the gospels alone Matthew, Mark, what did Luke, your, John. What, Jace, what did your friend, so when you were talking to him, what what's the beef, what's the beef with Jesus being part of, like, because I, I would say that we are the temple, we are the temple, but only because we're built upon the cornerstone of the temple. 
So Jesus is that cornerstone in the temple, and then we're being built on that. But what's his beef with? What was his beef with Jesus being? His the beef temple? was that that would that would nullify this attempt to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Which he's saying some of these verses that he's reading is saying a week that's got to happen before Jesus comes back. Huh. It, it comes back to that question. And I'm not saying this sarcastically. I'm just saying the people who are waiting for the kingdom to be here, it sounds like the same question that was asked to Jesus in Acts 1, 9, is it? Where he says, one of his disciples said, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Well, that they're getting that from the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus' disciples yeah. were and modern day people. Yep. They're saying at some point we got to restore this this kingdom and they're thinking it's a building, which, you know, I think we had a pretty good argument where Stephen lost his life saying, God, he doesn't live in temples built by hands. That's over. There's a guy named Jesus who came and fulfilled that. He, he is that. So that's why he's having the beef with it, because he's saying there's prophecies in the Old Testament that have not been fulfilled. And you know, Luke 24 seems to say the exact opposite when it says everything that is written must be fulfilled. You know, that's why I brought up the Hebrews 1 last podcast about how we pray, even how we pray and understand that this unchanging God, which is a positive thing, because everything here is going to change for the worse. Everything. I mean, this whole place is going to roll up, uh, you know, the verse we read in Psalm 102. And yeah. it made me, a, a quote popped into my head uh, from C.S. Lewis when they asked him if he was afraid of nuclear war, the world ending in nuclear war. And it was somebody trying to poke holes in his in his argument about, oh, there's a God, you know. And, well, what happens if a nuclear war happens? And his response, which I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was basically like, I'm not worried about that time i'm more worried about all the time that happened before creation and after and it was a very pro i summed up what he said but his point was if if there's no god well what does it matter what what if it mattered if we're, if there's no god and the whole thing we blow ourselves up what's it matter but but if there is a god and he is eternal I'm much more concerned about what happens after that happens and before, which is a definition of God being eternal and unchanging. So, I mean, it was kind of a controversial thing to say because you're like, oh, this guy said he's not worried about a nuclear war. But really, you know, his point was was really was really noble. Everything in your life is going down, including you. Right. Yeah, I've read this before. This is this. I think this is it. Um, if it's not, we'll cut this part out. But I think this is it. And one, uh, this is uh, C.S. Lewis on how do we live in the in the uh, atomic age. Um, in one way, we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we to live in the atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in the Viking Age, when the raiders from Scandinavia might uh, uh, might land and cut your throat any, any night, or indeed as you are already living 
in the age of cancer or the age of syphilis or the age of paralysis or the age of air raids, an age of railroad uh, railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin with exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we, but we have that still. And it is perfectly ridiculous. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to our world, which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint or a game of darts, not huddled together fright, like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs that they may break our bodies. A, a microbe can do that, but they but they need not dominate our minds. That's pretty good. No, it's, re- it's real good. Uh, I listened to a sermon by uh, Keller talking about the unchanging God, and he had an illustration in there that was kind of the same thing. It's like there was a, there was a guy, part of a team that were fixed to cut a forest, and he noticed, that there was a bird making a nest in one of the trees. So he goes up and starts making racket because he's trying to, you know, he's, he's trying to help the bird. You know, the bird's making a nest. And he's like, this bird doesn't understand. This tree's fixed to go down, you know. So he makes all the racket. Finally, the bird leaves the tree, goes to another tree. And he's like, no, you don't get it. You know, you're, you're, all you did was move from one tree. That one's going down too. So, you know, he does, and goes on next tree. And finally, the bird goes to a rock. And he's like, okay. But the point was he made was making that all trees are going down and how that relates to on earth, everything is going to be rolled up and discarded. I mean, this earth, even people who don't believe in God, they realize at some point, either you're going to leave the earth or the earth is leaving, but all the trees are coming down. And so the rock obviously was was a parallel to what we have in Jesus, mm-hmm. the unchanging nature of God where we put our faith in trust. And so he, he made a practical illustration getting to a po- to the point where we've been in, in prayer. It's like, well, you know, how is God being like the lumberjack in your life? I mean, your tree, he's trying to tell you, don't put your hope and trust in things of the earth. It's not going to last. You're way better off when Paul wrote to the in the book of Revelation, in verse 6, to him, let's talk about the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us, it's past tense, past tense, from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. He's made us already it's mm. not gonna gonna make us one time when now 
Well, I think the argument kingdom is here, and we're members of it. Zach, it's pretty amazing that uh, the blind was only supposed to last a week in October, but in many theaters, uh, actually it went into November, uh, which is, is pretty amazing, right? I mean, people yeah. really love this film. They did. It, it, was, it far exceeded our expectations. So, yeah, we're excited. So, Dad, I don't know if you remember this. You said if the blind could help one person come to Christ, it would be worth it. But I think it's done a lot more than that. What do you think? I think that I was not thinking large enough, and I did, couldn't <laughs> see the power of God that can happen in a heartbeat. You mm. can look up and say, whoa. That's what I got out of this one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now we're getting somewhere. The, my very prayer was answered when I said, you know, I've been at this 28 years, you know. You know, I'm almost 70. I said, I, numbers, Lord, would make, I know the power's there. I know you love us, but, but the numbers. But And so I just looked up. And the numbers started coming in. I said, oh, he's he's there. And I mean, he moved them on this one. He definitely moved them. There's been stories coming in from all around the world uh, of how people's lives have been changed. Yep. And the good news is we're making a shift now uh, into the digital world where people can have it in their homes uh, to be able to watch. So it's out now. One of the places that you can get the same platform that hosts all of our content is Blaze TV. Uh, you don't have to be a subscriber to Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com slash the blind and you can buy the digital version of the movie. If you buy now, they're also going to give you a code where you can get 20% off unashamed in the woods and the blind merch only in Blaze TV store. So there's a little bonus on top of that. These guys have been great uh, supporters of us and helped us get the word out. So once you check these guys out, go to blaze tv.com slash the blind to watch the blind today. It's more than a movie. Well, I think so. The argument comes back to, so you'll read in revelation five 10, where it says you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve a God, and they will reign on the earth. You bet. Well, I think the argument comes in, people's like, yeah, one day we will reign on the earth because it's hard for Christian people to believe that you're reigning on the earth now. But what I would subject to your mind is if you have the Holy Spirit of God, which makes you... Revelation 1-6. Which makes you indestructible. Revelation 1 6. Even though you die, yet shall you live. Revelation 1 6. You have the answers to life. You have the answers to purpose in life. You have the answer to how you got life. Yeah. That would make you the most powerful You're, person. It'll make you indestructible. On earth. Well, th- so so people say, well, we're not reigning on the earth. We're getting beat. Whoop. Uh, well, so did Jesus. Je- Jesus was. He was scourged, he was beaten, he was mocked. And But was he reigning on the earth? Well, yeah, he was reigning on the earth because by that act of suffering and weakness, not only did he forgive all people's sins, but he then destroyed death itself through the resurrection. So, yes, he was reigning on the earth because he was giving God's answers to character, to the value of all people, the answer to sin, the answer to death, 
And so I think we reign in the same way through the Holy Spirit now and when he comes back. Yeah, I agree. And I think it has has a, a ton of implications on how we approach life here. I mean, like you think, well, we're in, we're in Luke 18 and what does it matter? And it, well, I mean, you get down to this idea of, of this rich young ruler that we'll get into in a, in a probably not today, but in, in a, a very near future podcast. But, you know, you, he's talking about how to live life in the kingdom. So I think a lot of times we will read these verses in these passages in the, in the new Testament. And we're trying to make application as if this is just a new way of like, like almost like this, this here's the new rules. You know, this is the old Testament had its set of rules. Now the new Testament, Jesus came and he's going to give us a new set of rules. And that's not really what these texts are about. All of these yeah. texts are more of a description of what does it look like to live in the kingdom? And so, you know, you get to these little, all these, these stories and these parables and these ideas. I mean, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? And what it looks like, it looks like that you're being caught up into the life of Christ. You're being, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're being made into a new person with new desires and new hopes and new dreams. And it's, it's not, it, it, it is not a grinded out for 80 years and then you get to go to heaven when you die. That is not it. And I think Jesus is clearly teaching that this is something that that you that happens right now that you can enter into today. That's what the that's kind of the point of the rich young ruler in Luke 18 is well you can enter yeah. this right now. Not, well, not when you die now. Yeah, true, but even the rich young ruler the re- reason I think people are that's so misunderstood, which I know we're going to wait to get to this, but just to give you a preview because I agree with you. You know, the the question that's hard to understand there more than I, the illustration when he said it's how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, to your point? He said, indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, well, who then can be saved? And the reason they were asking that is because in that culture at this time, and we've seen it over and over in Luke, which I noticed this when I was reading ahead, they equated their wealth with God's favor. Yep. So that's why they asked such a crazy question, because it's like, well, wait a minute. We thought, which it makes sense then what he said, because it doesn't really make sense to our modern culture when they said, well, who then can be saved? Because you know it's not about... There was a lot of rich people in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Job, all these guys have money. So you know he's not saying, oh, just because you have money. I think he was just saying when you have money, whatever was the Lord of your life, it's going to be harder. Money makes it harder. Yep. But the point is when he said who then can be saved, well, then it became really a conversation about what is actually possible. Because then Jesus replied, well, what is, imp- uh, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, well, we've left everything to follow you. And then he said, well, I'll tell you the truth. No one who has left home, wife, brothers, parents, children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in, and in the age to come. Well, him making those two dividing lines by saying you'll get it now 
which a lot of people say, well, does that mean it's a prosperity gospel? No, because you're going to be a part of a new family. You, you may not have yeah. much, but all these other people that you're with in the kingdom, you're now with them as a as a one organism, which goes back to the temple of God. Look, and the age to come. So that is the ultimate fulfillment of the kingdom when we go to the next phase it's of our, the it, resurrection. It, it's a good a good phrase is already, not yet. Is a kingdom is kingdom is already here. The kingdom is not yet here. It's both. I mean, like like it, it is already here. Yes, and we we say this a lot. It's it's a it's a, we're tasting morsels of what we will experience in its full fruition in the consummation of glory. In when, when in glory, this is what we will be. And I think that like when you think about this, when he says here, uh, this rich young ruler. One of the things that he tells him to do when he says, you know, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? What, what what Jesus, he this is like rhetorical here almost when he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Obviously, Jesus is God. So it's kind of like a like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am good because I'm God. But then he says, you know, the commandments. So he said, what do I do? He basically said, do the commandments. And the guy says, I've done all of that. I've kept all these since my youth. And then I love what Jesus does. He takes the one thing that he didn't do or wouldn't do, and he says, do that. Okay, then do this. And the guy, and and then he, and not just do this, what does he say? And come follow me. And I think that, 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 those four words, and come follow me, is the essence of what the kingdom here, the kingdom now looks like. And why does it matter? Because it is a, it is an embodied, spirituality that happens right now we follow jesus so whatever the thing is that we want we we walk away from that not to say we may not slip you may slip and fall and you may go right back and do the same sin that you left when you came to christ but here's the deal you left it and you came to follow jesus and that's what the kingdom life looks like it is walking with him it's being an apprentice being a disciple being transformed becoming like him that's the point of it, I think, you know, and, and I think that's one of the key uh, characteristics of being in the kingdom. Well, make a note for your book, because those four words are in contrast to the first four words, which is, what must I do? He, hmm. So you got, what must I do? And then Jesus said, then come follow me. And then he says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. The problem with this question is, is what must I do? But there's nothing you can do. That's right. So that's why he said, come follow me. That's why it said with God, all things are possible. Well, what things are we talking about? The only thing that matters is where you're going to reside to C.S. Lewis's point after this is all over, which goes back to our talk about prayer and how hard it is with all these circumstances that we live in and the struggles. All of it's going to be tossed away. It's all going to wear out. And yeah. But God's not. And then it says, you know, in that last verse in, in 102, we're going to be in the presence of God forever, which is yeah, why the Hebrew writer used that as an illustration and you think, well, what is he talking about angels and all? Because when we pray, God does send angels sometimes. And, 
change circumstances. It doesn't change the nature of God, but circumstances are changed because of what what you were referring to in Romans, which really Paul does a really good job of that. You know, in Romans 5, he says we have access to God now because of the gospel, and we have peace. And then he starts going into this process that we have to go through with suffering, and we it produces perseverance, and perseverance character, character hope. But hope doesn't disappoint us, this Romans 5, 5, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And then, it, then he displays his eternal love. One of his attributes is he is love. And he says he demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which is hard to wrap your head around that when God yeah. said, I love you, he demonstrated it. It didn't change his nature. It just gave him the opportunity based on our condition and who he is to send Jesus. And when he loves you, he loves you before, during, and after. Yep. So it's not something you're constantly causing God to be confused or surprised about. And so I, that's why I think then when you get to like Romans 8, one of the most misinterpreted verses probably in the Bible but but it is true. We just have a hard time wrapping our head around it. When he says Romans eight twenty eight, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You know, if we just believe that when it came to our prayer life, I think we'd have a better prayer life. You know, we're we're no trusting doubt. that whatever he knows is in it's we're incapable of, of grasping it. And then he says, uh, who have been a call to his purpose. And then he gets into the discussion we had last podcast about how do we pray and how should we pray to an unchanging God? How does that relationship, what does it look like? And he says in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. What shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he goes to passionately, you can, like, it almost jumps off the page how he shares the good news of Jesus, that Christ died more than that was raised to life he's at the right hand of god he's he's interceding for us and then he's like shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness danger of sword shall that separate us from the love of christ no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i'm convinced and then he goes through this list that neither death nor life angels demons the present the future powers neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord i really think this is a picture of how our prayer life should be because we're knocked back by how how the world is difficult we're changing people do bad things there's injustice yeah. we lose our money where and all of a sudden, instead of shaking our hand at God, we look, he's already proven to us that we can be secure. No matter what happens, to go to the C.S. Lewis quote about the nuclear war, that'd be the worst thing that could ever happen, right? But even in yep. that, 
We're the ones that have hope and a guarantee. If the world keeps going like it's going in modern days, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, either mm. we're part of the kingdom, which is the greatest kingdom that could ever be conceived or we're not. And a nuclear bomb cannot destroy the kingdom that we're a part of. That's right. It just can't do it. Nope. Well, because the, the resurrection, of course, is going to rectify all that anyway. Let's take our last break. Jace, before that section you read in Romans 8, and we mentioned this a few podcasts back, and Zach mentioned, I think, on the last podcast, the, the game changer was the, the Holy Spirit. Because he said in verse 26 of Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not what we ought, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the idea, the same struggle we've been talking about about prayer. The yeah. Holy Spirit is the game changer. He now that's, yeah, he's is God changer. living in us. That's, that's so that's so key. You know, it's funny because I've, I've been preaching a very similar message at our church, and one of my friends pushed back. Um, the guy that's been coming to our church a little bit. Um, and, and, and one of the things he said to me, because I mentioned Mark 12, and I would mentioned um, about the cornerstone, you know, Jesus being the cornerstone. I mentioned Ephesians 2. He said, oh, and I mentioned, and I talked about First Corinthians six. He said, "Oh, that's all corporate." That's I said, "No, no, that's not corporate. I mean, it is corporate. There is a corporate temple that we are, but there is an individual temple, and and that's what Paul is getting to in First Corinthians six. I said, "That's not a corporate uh, thing there, because what is Paul talking about in First Corinthians six? He's talking about sexual immorality. That's something that you don't you don't have you don't commit sexual immorality corporately. That's something that you do personally." And Paul's point is, is that that you we abstain from sexual immorality because there's a reason. There is a reason why we abstain from it, because your body, your individual body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the reason why the Holy Spirit's a game changer, because that's that's the, the person of the Trinity that lives in the body of the believer and that's why when I get I get this picture, I don't know if you can separate it corporately and individually or Jesus versus us. And Jesus is a cornerstone of the temple. And then we are living stones. Each one of us is a living stone built in that temple. So we're mm-hmm. I'm not the temple in its entirety. That's not true. I'm that's not right. the entirety of God's new temple. But I am part of the new temple, that's right. and and Jesus being its cornerstone. That's I think that is the picture that's being portrayed in the scripture. I think it it's it undergirds a whole lot more of the scripture than probably I, I I saw in the past. We and what's funny is this is the funny part about it. We're talking about writing a book on this. This is the one topic that we we've kind of shot away from the whole time that we've been doing this podcast, and now. Like here we are, but I, 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 I think it's because it's by going through the scriptures, by going through the Gospel of Matthew, going through the Gospel of Luke, going through Hebrews. I mean, it's it. You notice that this theme keeps popping up, Mark. I mean, over and over and over again. It's kind of hard to escape what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, by the time you get to Romans nine, mercy is mentioned in verse fourteen and fifteen, uh, verse sixteen. Verse 18, mentioned twice in verse 18, mercy, 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 mercy. The whole thing is dependent on God's mercy, not our works. 
Nope. Not yeah. our effort. Yeah. But, to, but to go back where we were in, in Luke 18 about being persistent, praying to God, having having a relationship. You know, we went through the book of Romans because we did ask that question, well, you know, if God's unchanging and, and seemingly in a lot of people's minds a million miles away, and why are bad things happening? Why should I pray? I can't change anything. You know, you when he gets to chapter 11 of Romans, it, it's just a little statement, but the impact is amazing. It said, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, which means can't be changed or reversed. Well, just list the gifts of God. If we started lifting, listing the gifts of God, mercy, forgiveness, Love. Eternity, yeah, uh, love, and then you say, "Well, how do you, how, yeah, how do you define the call?" You know, his gifts and his call are irrevocable. Do you realize how encouraging that is? he called us? He called us through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection to himself. I mean, he gives us the idea that we can be a part of his kingdom and his family forever. That is the call through Jesus. Well, no matter what, yeah, yeah, no matter what happens, no, no matter what happens, or how you feel about God, or you feel because what we happen, our our circumstances on Earth, things don't go well. People die, people suffer, people make mistakes, all the things that cause oppression, and and they're like, well, where where is God in all this? Well, make a list of His gifts and make a make a a definition of his call through Jesus. And what you'll see is those verses like we read, while we were sinners, Christ died for it. He demonstrated his love. All these things trump our current circumstances. And, And it's irrevocable, generational. All people can have access through Jesus, every person. So it's actually the such incredible news that it almost is mind blowing that you can be a part of this this kingdom is is my what I'm getting mm. at. I mean Well and earlier, Jase, you had said something about one of the arguments was that people were still waiting on Old Testament prophecy to be revealed. But Jesus was clear, and uh, later in Luke 24, when we get there, verse 44, he said, he told the disciples, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so it's pretty clear to me that Jesus is the complete fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy, of all Old Testament law, and in all of the things that were pointed at in the Psalms, he is it. So when he came here, that was the thing that changed everything. Now, once he got here, and then the New Testament writers, they gave us a few more things to look forward to. They gave us some revelation and prediction. We're looking for the end of time. We're looking for things in the future from their future. So it's not like that we still don't look forward to some things, but when you're worried about somehow something hasn't happened yet, that was mentioned in the Old Testament, it happened in Jesus. And then after that, we can figure it out from the New Testament. But if you're still waiting on that, you're going to be in a bind when it comes to really understanding the nature of the kingdom. Yeah, the righteousness is mentioned. It's by faith, but Israel, who pursued who pursued it, a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, 
but I, the ones that didn't make the cut, but as if it were by works, they stumble over the stumbling stone. You can't earn this. This is a gift. Yeah, well, and I would, and I, that's a good point, Phil. I think that Romans 9 passage and 10 and 11, we, which will, if, at some point, I'd love to get back into this, but, um, that's a whole lot more about what we're talking about in the kingdom than anything else. That's There's right. a, I mean, it is a, it's a whole lot more about that. And I think if you go into Romans, you think about what Paul said. I said earlier when Paul introduces the book of Romans, what does he say? I'm, I'm going to, I'm basically going. I don't want to say reinterpret. I'm going to, I'm going to further interpret the prophets in the vein and in the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can't earn because you can't earn it. You can't earn it. And, that, and that's his point. That is his point of grafting the Gentiles in and not just the Gentiles, but the unbelieving Jews that's as right. well. We're, we're, we come in the same way where there's no distinction. We're one people or one body or one faith, one Lord, one baptism, Ephesians four. I mean, but, but I was going to say something what you said out that I was thinking about the Mount of Transfiguration, which we talked about in this podcast in the previous episode. That's really what, when Jesus is, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, who's he talking to? The law That's right. and the prophets. He's talking to Moses and Elijah. And, and, it's, and it's in this person of Jesus, he's the summation of all that. He's the realization of all that. Going back to what uh, Jay said at the beginning of either this podcast or the last one, that it is a person that, that, that we're being drawn to, a person, not just an idea, but a person, Jesus Christ the son of the living God. And he wanted Peter, James, and John to know that because they were the ones who witnessed it. All right, we're out of time. Uh, we'll flesh this out a little bit more. Um, seems like the <laughs> our kingdom study continues on. It has a life of its own. So we'll see if we, where we're going over time. If you want to follow us over at com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.